John chapter 3 verses 1 to 15. John 3, 1 to 15. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know and testify what we have seen, but you do not receive our witness. For I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Welcome to The King is Coming. This is episode 6.2. We resume the series, Know His Truth and Seek His Face, which we started at the end of 2020. So this is episode 6.2. 6.1 was part one of the series. 6.2 is the second part. Know His Truth and Seek His Face. Part one was titled, What is Truth? Part 2 is Incubating Glory. So this episode is episode 6.2, Know His Truth and Seek His Face, titled Incubating Glory. Incubating Glory. In the first part, we learned that uh, we learned three things that we're going to bring to your remembrance before we go into this episode. Number one, the test of truth is reliability. Truth is always the same. Number one, the test of truth is reliability. If it changes, it is not the truth. Whether now, whether a thousand years, whether a million years, if it changes, it is not truth because truth is eternal. Number two, our world, the spirit realm and other realities are not truth because they do not pass test one. They are not reliable because they pass away. So heaven and earth will pass away. He said he will fold them like a garment. The only thing that remains is Jesus. Number three, which is part of the last statement, truth is a person. It's not fact, it's not opinion, it's not what we see, it's not what we perceive. It is a person. And that person's name is Jesus. In him alone do we find true, unchanging, eternal reality. So, reliability is a test of the truth, one. All other realities, everything we see, 
is not truth because it will pass away. And finally, truth is a person. So how do we know this truth? For this episode, uh, we are going to pursue the understanding of truth, which will lead us into incubating glory. So how do we know truth? Truth is unchanging. Eternal reality is truth. And all of this can only be found in Jesus. To know truth is to know things the way Jesus knows them. Is to experience things the way Jesus experiences them. To see the way he sees, know what he knows, exist where he exists. Anything outside of this cannot be complete truth. This is the only way to know truth. You know Jesus as a person and you understand and feel and see and live like him. Then you know the truth. Now, in the passage that we read in from John chapter 3 at the beginning of this podcast, Nicodemus was a man who was interested in the truth as we are. So, he approached Jesus at night to find out the truth. And we will go into the discourse later in the podcast. But for now, looking at verse 9, from verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel? and do not know these things. Most assuredly I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So as Nicodemus approached Jesus and he began to talk, Jesus said some things that blew his mind and he found it hard to believe. And Jesus was now telling him that, look, I am only telling you this in the language, in the terms, from the perspective of the earthly realm. What if I told you the complete truth, the real truth which is from heaven, how would you believe when you will not even, you cannot absorb the analogy or the uh, paradigm I'm giving you which is based on things you can see? So the problem, the challenge of understanding the truth is we are dealing with a realm where eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, things that have never come into the concept of man and therefore it is unbelievable. It is like trying to um, explain to an ant what the internet is. First of all, the ant doesn't speak English. It lacks the mental capacity to understand complex things like computers, not to even talk about virtual things like the internet. So for the ant to be able to understand, it needs to be upgraded in mind, in language, to to begin to understand what the internet is. So likewise, Nicodemus asked Jesus, and Jesus told him the truth, but he couldn't understand or accept this. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 13 and 14, he says, These things we speak also, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So in the same manner, it was difficult for Nicodemus, like it is difficult for an ant to understand the internet, to understand the things of the eternal realm, of eternity, because it is foolishness to him. It makes no sense. And we will begin to go into the details of that conversation to understand what this is about. But now we see that there's a challenge in trying to know the truth. We are not in the God realm, we do not have the capacity of God 
to live in the God realm. God exists in a place where First Timothy, Paul says, is unapproachable light. He calls it immortality. That is eternal. There is no time. Even just the concept of a place without time is impossible to comprehend. The, the Lord says He is, He He was, and He is to come. At the same time, is the same. He fills all of time, past, present, future. That realm is beyond our human capacity or comprehension. So we we are unable to relate or understand the things of God from a human perspective or human wisdom. So, but this presents a challenge because not only do we desire to know God, not only does God call us to know Him, God Himself wants to be known. For many, God remains unapproachable. But the problem with this, with this is that God wants to relate with us intimately. And there are many scriptures that tell us that this idea of God knowing us and we knowing Him, God relating to us intimately and we knowing Him, is part of the destiny of man, even before time began. Ephesians 1, 4-5 says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. So we were picked and things were designed for us before the world began. Verse 5, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. God had decided that he was going to take us and make us his own sons by adoption so that we can relate to him and this will bring him good pleasure and all of this is for relationship where God created us before time began decided that he was going to adopt us and we will be able to relate to him on his own level now the purpose of this life and creation is for the knowledge of God this is like a kindergarten to know this world to know God until the time comes where he's fully manifested he wants to be known and this is illustrated in many scriptures Jeremiah 9.23 says thus says the Lord let not the wise man glory in his wisdom let not the mighty man glory in his might nor let the rich man glory in his riches but let him who glories glory in this that he understands and knows me I am the Lord exercising loving kindness judgment and righteousness in the earth for in these I delight says the Lord Hosea 6.3 also says let us know let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord his going forth is established as the morning. Well, These scriptures are telling us that God put us here to seek Him. God's standard measurement of success in life is not, is not about getting money. It's not about uh, being strong, being popular, being a celebrity, being rich. God says the only measure, the yardstick of eternity of, over this life is knowing God. Something we also need to appreciate is that God not only just wants us to know Him, He wired it into us so that we will seek Him. Despite the limitations we, we may have, despite the fact that eternity may be hard to conceive, the God realm may seem impossible for the human mind to comprehend, God made sure that He set us on a path where we were going to come back to Him. So He puts eternity in us. In Acts 17, 26-27, it says, And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that He might grope for Him 
and find him though he is not far from each one of us so god has put us in certain places he put you where you are gave you the parents he gave you let you go through different experiences in the hope that you will begin to look for him you begin to group for him and finally find that he's not far from you he's right beside you and even in ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 he says he has made everything beautiful in its time also he has put eternity in their hearts god has put eternity inside us so that no matter what we do no matter how hard hard working we are distracted we are when we are lying down in bed and everything is quiet when the music stops then eternity rises up and you begin to want to know god you begin to wonder what is going to happen after life and you find that rich men or successful people after they've made it in life some of them be, begin to get depressed because eternity rises up and begin to ask questions that shows that their life is not fulfilled despite all their accolades in this world. So God puts eternity in us to draw us closer to him. And Titus chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says, In the hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie, promised before time began before time began god's arrangement was that we were going to have eternal life we're going to have the life that will allow us to exist in eternity in his own realm not just in this uh, temporary world so in the passage we read at the beginning nicodemus saw jesus and he knew that this man knew God. Something in him said, this man has a taste of eternity. The way he relates, the way he behaves, the things he does, something in his heart said, this man knows God. And he decided to approach God because Nicodemus was, had become a teacher of Israel. Israel was so supposed to be the nation that knew God the most. And Nicodemus had risen up to become one of those who taught the nation of Israel. Meaning he was a man you would rank as being one of the closest to God in that nation. But he saw the hunger in him for eternity was still crying out. So that when he saw the truth, he approached the truth and began to inquire. Even even though he wasn't able to articulate what he wanted because when he came to Jesus all he said was we know you are a man come from from God because no one can do the signs except God is with him and then what does Jesus reply Jesus reply had no direct correlation to the mental words the man spoke instead God spoke to his heart you know God is the, Jesus is the truth and he knows the truth of our hearts he looked at Nicodemus and he knew that the question of Nicodemus was not so much about making a comment because Nicodemus actually didn't ask a question he just said we made a statement we know you are come from God but Jesus knew was he wanted to know how to get into eternity to so that he would relate to God and Jesus answered the, the hunger of his heart and said most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God to be able to know see hear relate and exist in the realm of God demands eternal life and just as a, a child cannot be born into this physical reality we, li we live in until it grows to a certain point. A child is conceived in the womb and then that child does not, is not dropped into the world, into the physical world as a cell, as a, as a fetus, but is nurtured and grown until the point where that 
child becomes ready to relate to this world. A child cannot relate to the physical realm. It needs lungs and different organs to be able to relate. And until it has that, it will die in this realm. Just as it tells us that uh, no man can see God and live. Because to see God is to come to his own level, his own realm and see him. And because we lack the spiritual organs and life to live in that realm automatically the person is wiped out. We cannot exist outside of the created realm. So, so this statement was just astounding to Nicodemus and then he began to say the things we discussed earlier on from verse 9 when he was saying how can these things be and Jesus was challenging him and saying I'm telling you I'm teaching you based on the things you understand and that you see in this world and if you don't understand it how can I actually show you the truth how can I reveal the truth to you because Nicodemus did not have eternal life he, he lacked the spiritual organs the spiritual mentality to be able to understand what Jesus the concept that Jesus was trying to draw of eternity. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, Eyes have not seen nor yet heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. People usually use this verse to pray for things we want on this earth, for pleasures that are great in this world. But that verse is talking about things in the realm of God that there there is no language for. Things that we cannot conceive of. Things that are beyond any imagination. And that those are the things that are waiting for us in eternity. Now Jesus' words were very strategic. He used the term born again. He used the term of a new kind of birth. And we need to understand that everything God creates and does tells us something about him. If you see an artwork in a gallery, that gallery, that artwork tells you about the artist. Whether it's a depressing picture, you can see at the point this artist made this, he was depressed. Or if you look at so many so many of his pictures and they all have a tone of anger then you say this is an angry artist because out of the abundance of the heart was how those works were produced in the same manner it tells us in Romans 1.20 for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse so Jesus was strategic in talking to Nicodemus about earthly things using them to reveal and explain the general idea of eternal things because God's creation preaches a gospel about him and in that verse i just read in romans 1 paul was trying to tell us that nobody has an excuse to say uh, there's no proof that, that god does not exist because creation itself preaches a gospel that should start to draw us closer to him so understanding that concept let's begin to dissect what jesus said to be able to understand what we need to know the truth One of the things that is very important in this episode of Incubating Glory is the issue of incubation. Before a new new life can enter into this world, it has to be nurtured and prepared to exist in this world, which is why a baby stays in his mother's womb for nine months. After conception, nobody takes the cell and drops it in the world. Nobody takes the fetus and drops it. It is kept in the womb and it begins to grow. It begins functions for the mother gives it nutrients and it grows until it can breathe in itself, until it can eat and take in and digest food and has limbs to move. Then it's brought forth in a birth that birth that you now see that child and that child is able to relate to the mother and father and one of the things about the creation of god again is that it helps us understand eternal things 
and I'm going to make a big statement now, which is that God's creation was made and existed. God made this creation that we live in as an incubator for man to live in until he was ready to be manifested as the son of God who could dwell with God in eternity, who could relate to God in in God's realm, who had all the organs, spiritual organs, physical organs to relate with God fully and see the truth because the truth can only be reliably found in Christ who is God and the fullness of Christ can only be seen from the eternal realm. For nine months as the child grows until it is ready to be brought forth. And you see the statement I'm making in Romans 8.22. He said, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. I mean, that's another direct correlation between the creation and the natural process we see of giving birth. Now, let's expand on this issue of incubator a bit. I'm going to give you three reasons or three comparisons of the eternal incubator, which is creation, and the incubator for the human life, which is the pregnancy or the womb of a woman. And we're going to go back to Genesis, the book of the beginnings, to look at this issue so that we understand this concept properly and it will enable us to appreciate and prepare to actually walk dwell and live in the truth number one eve's delivery process is similar to the birth of the sons of god Eve's delivery process is similar to the birth of the sons of god so some years ago i was taught by the lord that his judgments were not necessarily about wrath a lot of us feel like when god is angry or when something happens sin has been committed god comes down and dishes out the punishment just as our fathers or teachers do where judgments are given to be punitive to make the person suffer for what they did while there may be elements of that we also need to know that god's judgments are merciful there is mercy i don't have time to go into all of that but i'm going to use the revelations I got then to explain further. And what I was told then was that the judgment of God over the sin in the Garden of Eden had his mercy in it and also was supposed to teach both Adam and the rest of us deep and great lessons about him. So let's look at uh, Eve's. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. So we can already see from that statement that the process of conception and delivery for Eve and women was supposed to be without sorrow or pain. It was supposed to be an easy process. And in the same manner, because we we should keep remembering that this theme that that is very important for this episode is that the earthly things, the things we see, tells us things about the eternal realm. There are parallels between what we are seeing and eternal realm. And in the process of bringing forth new creation, the incubator of creation was supposed to go through an easy process and the sons of God will mature and he'll be brought forth into glory. But when Eve introduced sin by taking the forbidden fruit, God's judgment was that she would go through sorrow and her conception would be difficult. And this was to mirror what she had introduced into the incubator of creation. Because of sin, the incubator 
had now been affected by death, things were going to go awry, things were going to go in reverse. Instead of man growing towards God, they were going to grow towards death. Everything was going to be destroyed. And God gave mirrored the same thing inside her by giving, saying he will multiply her sorrow in her conception. So the, the judgment wasn't about punishment. It was to reflect the proceeds of the actions she took. And then the second thing he told her, which also reveals further the point I'm making, that it wasn't to punish her. The second, the second judgment was, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. He gave that judgment so that the, the mistake that Eve made will be dealt with. So she had two judgments. One, her judgment mirrored the effect she had introduced to the incubator of creation. The same thing was not to, going to happen to her in her own incubation process. And because she went and took the fruit without consulting the husband, she was made equal to her husband. But because she did not consult him and she acted independently, God put her under her husband so that there will be order so that such a thing would not happen again. Especially now that sin had been introduced and that sin was going to cause division, sin was going to tear people apart, God ensured that the family would stay together by giving her desires for her husband. So we can see from those two points that God's judgments were not necessarily punitive. And we're going back to the first part of her, the judgment she was given. That sorrow and conception shows us the process of the manifestations of the sons of God so that they can come into the eternal realm and relate with God. Everything we see in scriptures are shadows of greater truths in the eternal realm. For example, in 1 Corinthians 9 verses 9 to 10, it says, For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about, or does it say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt it is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who treasures in hope should be partaker of his hope. So Paul is telling us that God gave a judgment to Moses concerning allowing oxen to eat whenever it is treading out grain. And that God's purpose in focusing on something like oxen is not because that was God's primary concern, but that was supposed to be a reflection, an allegory, a type of what he expects for men and women who serve in his house, where they are allowed to partake of whatever blessings they receive in the ministry, just as the Levites and the high priests are also expected to partake of whatever is given in the temple of God. So, in the same manner, the judgments that were given over Eve, especially the first one, over conception, is a reflection of the state of creation because of sin. Eve's process of bringing forth reflects the process of creation bringing forth. If we go back to Romans 8, 19 to 23, I'll read the whole, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the ad adoption, the redemption of our body. So, like we read earlier on in Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, the adoption process 
will be manifested as our body is redeemed from this creation as we are manifested as the sons of God. And we are in the last stage because man has been growing, 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 and in our own time is the time of delivery. It is the time where delivery will take place. So, points number one, over this issue of incubation, the, what is happening with what we saw with the process of Eve and women bringing forth is the same thing that is, is the process of the sons and daughters of God bringing forth. As pregnancy is challenging and the delivery process is something that is delicate, so it is in the process of bringing forth the sons of God. And I want to tell you that right now we are at the end of time where the sons of God are about to come forth. And that is why we see all these upheavals across the world as God is getting set to set up his kingdom and bring forth his children in the fullness of the glory of God. So point number one, creation and the womb of Eve are in the, go through the same processes. Number two, transformation from conception to delivery. The cell that is formed when there is conception looks nothing like the baby that comes forth. The fetus does not, at the beginning, does not look like the baby that comes forth. The process of nine months is a process of transformation that allows the baby to go from being whatever it was as a fetus to be able to become a child that can come forth and into the world of the father and mother and relate to them in the same manner we have not yet seen what we shall be we don't know what we shall be but when we see him when he's manifested through his kingdom in a rapture we shall be like him at that point we would have grown and at the point we will bust out in delivery and we shall see him clearly at that point you will see jesus clearly you will see the truth clearly because you have manifested that process so point number two we transform from conception to delivery he says in philippians 3 21 who will transform our lowly body this body that gets sick this body that gets tired this body this mind that gets weary this mind that can get confused he's going to conform it he will conform it to his own glorious body so that at the end of this process which has already started that in this generation we are going to see people coming forth breaking forth in the glory of rapture breaking forth like the mount of transfiguration breaking forth like jesus when he came out of the grave on resurrection sunday exactly no difference exactly conformed to the same image a lion and a cub look the same we are going to be conformed and that is what is happening according to the working the working the process him doing the work which is able even to subdue all things to himself as impossible as it may as it may seem we are going to be conformed to the same format this body is going to be glorified in this last move of god before he comes number three and the final point of this incubation process is the pangs of delivery when delivery time comes it is a very delicate and dangerous period i was in the delivery room with my wife and the things I saw my mouth could not describe in fact after that process I told her I don't want to go through this again I'm okay with one child but in the same manner in the same way we are seeing the world going through birth pangs Paul told us in Romans 8.22 place of scripture I've been repeating over and over for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs when I was in the hospital they plugged 
things to my wife's stomach and I could hear the pangs on an amplified level. It was scary. It looked as if there were earthquakes inside our belly. And he said, with labors with birth pangs together until now. Until now. And he says in 23, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. There is something that, that God has deposited in us through eternal life, which was what God was telling Nicodemus. Nicodemus was asking about the kingdom of God. Jesus said, you are introduced into that kingdom uh, when you get eternal life. The beginning point where you gave your life to Jesus was the conception period. And then all the time up until now, until you walk with him and you are glorified, is the pregnancy period, the incubation period. And then the point where we break out and we look exactly like Jesus when he came out on the grave is the period of manifestation. I know that I don't hear people talk about this much. Pastor Johan was the first person who I heard teach extensively on this. I I saw this in my own visions, but I couldn't believe it. Like Nicodemus, I said, how can these things be? When I started getting them from 2016, how can it be? How is it possible? How come? But I am telling you, you go to your prayer room and talk to your maker. The sons of God are going to be manifested. Everybody expects that it's only when the rapture happens that they will be manifested. But I'm saying the time is and the time, the time has come where the dead, everything dead in us, every dead cell will hear the voice of the son of God and they will live and we will be regenerated. So we are the generation that has been called to be delivered and to manifest as the sons of God. In 1 John 5.20 he said, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ this is the true God and eternal life Jesus is eternal life Jesus gives us eternal life so that we may know God and as we begin to know him we are transformed as we behold his glory as we spend time using our eternal life because if you don't have eternal life there is no relationship there is no way to know him but if you've gotten eternal life you can now go into his presence to worship him to spend time with him and as you behold his own glory you incubate that glory in you and that glory continues to grow and to grow until the end of this period where the incubation process finishes and this birth pangs produces the sons and daughters of God and when we enter into this realm we see Jesus the way he is we will see him as he is we will be known the way we are we will also see him at that point we can relate to the truth without any reservation at that point Jesus does not need to be using earthly examples trying to use our own level of understanding to teach things that are way deeper he will be able to speak freely to us we will be able to speak to understand things by comparing spiritual things with spiritual things and in this period revelation Revelations 10 7 now becomes to pass, which says, But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when it's about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. The mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants at the prophets. God is not trying to be mysterious. God does not try to hide himself. He doesn't enjoy the mysterious thing. We lack the capacity to know him. And he gave us eternal life so that we can know him, so that we can relate to him. And now, when this process of incubation 
incubation is finished, the mystery of God will be finished because we will see him the way he is. The truth will be open to us clearly for everything. This is eternal life that they may know you. Those are the words of Jesus. This is eternal life that they may know you. I know that when eternal life was given, many people in the olden days used their eternal life just as a ticket to escape hell. They were ready to suffer in this world. They were ready to suffer all shame. All they will sing about is, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't matter what happened here on earth. I may be full of sickness, diseases, poverty. I have eternal life. At that point, the revelation of eternal life was just ticket to heaven, escape from hell. And it has grown. More revelation has come over the years where people know there's prosperity in it, there's healing, there's health, there's wisdom. Um, but people have packed their bus at that station, saying eternal life means I should live beautifully on this earth. I should enjoy the proceeds of this world. But that is not the core message, the core reason why God gave us eternal life. He gave us eternal life so that we will know Him, so that we will be able to come to the eternal realm and relate to Him as sons and daughters of God. This is the incubation period. Incubate the glory of eternal life. Incubate so that when the time comes, you will come forth. You will burst forth. And I know many are waiting for the rapture for that time to happen. But the Lord has told me and shown me in scriptures. And thank God for the ministry of someone like Pastor Joanne who has laid it out in detailed theology that this process can happen before the rapture happens. For those that walk with him just like Enoch who walked with God and God took him and he was no more. He was so full of this life that God took him away because he would never die if he had been left on this earth. In the same manner, will you walk with him? Will you set aside everything and take part of this eternal life? Take this eternal life because the king is coming. Take this eternal life in, as the birth pangs come upon this world. Your, the glory that has been put in you will not be aborted in the name of Jesus. There will not be an abortion. You will come to full delivery in the name of Jesus. The glory of the father that raised Jesus the grave. In Romans 6 that the glory of the father raised Jesus from the grave. That same glory is here. That same glory is incubating in you. Incubate. Incubate that the glory may come forth. It may come forth because the king is coming. The king is coming. Glory. Hallelujah. We are about to be glorified because the king is coming. For additional podcasts, visit secondkingscoming.com S-E-C-O-N-D second kings K-I-N-G-S coming c-o-m-i-n-g dot com one word no space the email address is also secondkingscoming at gmail dot com same spelling as the website secondkingscoming at gmail dot com mm-hmm.